Welcome to the UK Ravens podcast, the only official, unofficial Baltimore Ravens podcast from the United Kingdom. Well, the reels are really cranking on the NFL free agency now, and all teams are making moves, except the Baltimore Ravens. Welcome back to the UK Ravens podcast. My name is Gaz Paul, and I'm once again joined by a couple of friends who I met on the internet, James Ogden and Ian Demain, guys, how's things? James, we haven't heard from you for a couple of weeks. How how are things going? Things are good, thanks. I'm I'm pretty busy, but uh, yeah, things are good. We're off. We're off crutches. We're off crutches. Yeah, we're, we're moving. No hobbling we're, around. We're moving around our new house without without crutches for the first time. That must be um, really good for you. How, how's the new house yeah, coming yeah. on? Ready to Is move it? into? <laughs> no that's not for another sort of three four months probably no it's uh it's fine and it's good that i'm you know i'm off crutches i don't have a an all-time slowest healing injury like you know john harbour would be proud of me i'd be out back on the field well ahead of well ahead of his timeline that he told reporters good work ian how's things with you mate i'm all right yeah i'm just enjoying the the daily drama on twitter and meltdowns left and right and yeah it's all, all good fun but yeah all fine I've been um, dipping in and out, I'm still busy, busy with our, um, well, with my um, day job, unfortunately. I'm not quite paying the bills on the podcast to to quit the day job just yet. Um, I keep sort of popping into the WhatsApp group and, and just seeing and just constant, the, the guy returning with the pizza and everything's on fire. It's just the, the sort of meme I keep going to every time I, I have a look in there. Ian, you say you're, you're keeping up to date with the the Twitter and the WhatsApp group. How are things going in there? Uh, it, it's in, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> there's, there's two WhatsApp groups, actually. There's there's a, a really large WhatsApp group and there's a slightly smaller one that broke off. They were sort of some some hardcore originals that, that set, set another one up. Um, and, and both have been pretty on fire this week there's there's lots of discussion they're great if you listen to this podcast and you're not in there get in touch and we'll and we'll get you in there i mean daily there's hundreds of messages firing backwards and forwards but yeah they're they're quite enjoyable to dip in and out of i understand my pal rory had a a, a bit of a moment um last week don't to just talk I, us through <laughs> I, I was gonna save this one for when we get there but yeah R- rory and, I, and i'm sure he won't mind me saying this because he's a good guy and, and and he's fine but uh i think it was the geno stone when we when we released geno stone had an absolute meltdown in the whatsapp group just completely lost his rag and uh and 24 hours later he's re-signed and, and he's back on the roster and i just sent sent Rory a couple of messages just just to let him know he might have overreacted a little bit. Right, okay, let's get into this then. Um, we held on for two weeks. We we closed out the podcast two weeks ago, saying um, we might be back sooner than um, two weeks' time if we hear anything on Lamar Jackson. James, we we didn't get your take on that as you were joined us two weeks ago nothing still we've we're sort of awaiting an interview that Lamar's done with himself which if you've listened to the podcast for a while you know how I feel about audio quality and having watched the preview to this (laughs) I'm not best pleased that all you can hear is um, like the noise the hum from the AC they're not using microphones it's a it's a whole iPhone thing I mean this guy's gonna be a multi-millionaire a microphone's 40 quid. Come on. If you're going to do your own interview, can we at least get a microphone? I'll just hire a studio. Anyway, sorry, James, what do you think of the Matt Jackson situation? <laughs> no, I was enjoying that. Do you, want to, you carry on. 
I think people need to brace themselves for a potential long haul. I, I, I get a lot of people, I, you know, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter and, and to me it feels like this isn't nearing a conclusion, unfortunately. And I feel like there's a lot of people with the, the non-exclusive franchise tag, I think sort of caused people to think, oh, this is going to get resolved. There's something's going to change here. We're going to see some something happen. Um, but it's become abundantly clear that the non-exclusive franchise tag process is an absolute joke. Um, there's there's no reason for anybody to be on an exclusive franchise tag ever again, um, because like it just the non-exclusive franchise tag process just seems to completely preclude anybody from making an offer. Like, why would you? Why, when if you have to load up the first year cap hit to stop the Ravens from matching a deal, like you're going to have to hold, you know, fifty million plus on your cap um, while the Ravens decide whether they're going to match the deal with Lamar. It just it. It feels like there's a lot of things that go into the non-exclusive franchise tag process that just make it not worth any team's while to actually bother with this. Um, you add into that the fact that Lamar doesn't have an agent, and I, I, I don't enjoy when um, some of these news guys criticise him for not having an agent because it just does seem a bit, little bit self-serving when they do that. It seems like they, they're a bit sick of not having information and they'd love him to have an agent so they could get some more information out about it. Um but in this instance, it does genuinely seem like he might need somebody to be acting on his behalf to speak to these other teams. Um, we've heard today that, well, yesterday from Pro Football Talk, uh, take from that what you will, but someone else also reported that someone is calling teams on Lamar's behalf as his representative to, to try and get them to bid for him. Um, and it's not an NFL PA certified agent. There was a rumor from someone that it was a friend of his mom. Um, it, it just seems a bit bizarre, really. Uh, like, I'm not sure that's really conducive to getting a bidding war going for him. One of the reasons why Deshaun Watson got the kind of money he got was because his agent engineered a bidding war for him. Um, and and I, it doesn't feel like that's a, a way to get a bidding war started. He's just, it's just a bit of a mess. And I, I, the only way I see this getting resolved, I, I just don't see a team doing doing what they need to do. The only way this is this is going to get resolved in a number of ways, but the only ways I can see it getting resolved quickly are Lamar making it abundantly clear that he doesn't want to play for the Ravens anymore, in which case a trade would probably get worked out. I'm not sure it would happen as part of this non-exclusive franchise tag process, but Lamar would have to tell DaCosta that he, he doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, DaCosta has a track record of getting those guys out of the building. It's obviously a different deal with the, with the QB, but he's got Orlando Brown out of the building. He got... Marquise Hollywood, Hollywood Brown out the building, you know, that but they didn't want to be here. He, he made a deal. So maybe Lamar makes it clear he doesn't want to play for Baltimore anymore and, and they trade him in some way. Um, that could happen. He, I, su- I suppose the, uh, the other thing that could happen is that he could sign a long-term deal. He could realize that there's nothing else out there for him. The problem is I'm not sure that there is nothing else out there for him. I just think the process and the way he's handling it means that there is nothing else out there for him. I think if he got to free agency, there would be. So I'm still of the opinion that the way this is going to end for this offseason is Lamar is going to sign the non-exclusive franchise tag at some point. Possibly he'll miss training camp. Possibly this drama will drag on. But I'm, I think he'll play the season on the tag. And then we'll be back in this situation again in a year's time. I just I can't, I can't see any other way out of it apart from some kind of wildcard team after the NFL draft deciding to trade for him um someone like the 49ers or the patriots or someone just out of the blue out of nowhere but that's i think that's the only way this is going to get done and resolved 
Ian, let's let's just sort of have a bit of an update around the league then. In terms of, we, we, we spoke a little briefly about teams that may be interested in Lamar Jackson. That that list's probably getting narrower, if anything. Obviously, um, since we last spoke, Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. But I think, is that, that just happened maybe as we spoke last time? Who knows? So you've got, it's looking to me, as, I, as I'm sitting here today, um, Commanders, Colts, Panthers, maybe, and there's probably not a lot else out there. It's it was strange to hear James mention the 49ers and the Patriots because they are, as, as he says, wild cards. D- depending on who you listen to and what you read, the, the teams that are getting most heavily linked to him now are the Patriots and the Vikings. The Vikings are getting getting an awful lot of chatter. When when this started, the two teams you looked at would have been the Bears and the Falcons because they were the, the guys with the cap space. Well, the Falcons have gone out and just brought absolutely everyone. They've they've spent all their money, so you, you don't need to worry about that. The Bears seem that they're they're in with Fields. The the Colts are still making some noise, but we're still in that position of who, who's got the money to do it. You look at the Vikings, you look at the Patriots, you look at the Colts. None of these teams can outbid Baltimore, like. The, the worry was that some team like the Falcons came in, front-loaded the contract, and the Ravens couldn't match it. Well, we were hoping to get to get Brian on to talk us through the salary cap. The, the Ravens obviously haven't brought anyone in, and there's still an awful lot of restructures they could do to, to free up cap space. They've they've got money available. They're just hoarding all of it at the minute in case one of these teams does come in and. I, I was speaking to the the guy who runs the Titans uh, Twitter account today because he was saying that he's heard they've been linked with with Lamar and what was going on. DeCosta at this stage has got to be praying that someone offers Lamar a contract that he accepts and, and just does the work for him. He's been at this for two years, hasn't got a contract done. He's got to be praying that someone offers Lamar a contract. Lamar says, go on then, I'll accept that. And the Ravens just match it, which and this whole thing goes away, it's done. Then there comes the question of, does Lamar want to be in Baltimore? Which a couple of sources now have come out and said maybe he's ready to move on. If this is a friend of Lamar's mum doing this negotiation, she's not going to be going to other teams and saying, well, Lamar wants to be in Baltimore. She's obviously going to tell them that he's available. He wants to move on. So I, I think there's there's two people in the, in the world that know what's going on and, and we may never find out. He, he may have also sort of overplayed his hand a little bit here. Um, and I do think he needs to do something. You know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm obviously, I'm always a Ravens fan first and foremost, but I'm a hu- as people know probably this to the podcast, I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan of his game, of the way he plays. I've been since well well before he came to the Ravens. I, I loved watching him at Louisville as well. So I do kind of root for him. And if you root for him, he needs to do something to change the leverage game here now because the challenge so far is that he's done everything right so far i felt like he's done everything right to get to maximize his maximize his contract out of this the problem he's got now is that his ultimate leverage was that two years of an exclusive franchise tag was going to be all the ravens could probably do and he would then be at free agency at, at a relatively young age as a former unanimous mvp ready to get a bidding war for his services and get a huge bag the problem he's got, and, and if he'd have done that, he would have been paid close to his market value for the next two years because the exclusive franchise tag is the average of the top five players at the position. The second tag is even more expensive because you've got to pay um, a premium for the second tag. So there was a good chance that he was going to get his market value over the next two years and then go to the market and get a ridiculous deal. 
The problem is this non-exclusive franchise tag process has just proven that no, no, like the Ravens can easily tag him twice on the non-exclusive franchise tag at below his market value, well below his market value, 32 million he's getting next year. That's a good 18 million below what he really should be getting paid. Um, so they can tag him twice on the non-exclusive franchise tag. Pretty feel pretty good about no one being able to outbid them. Feel pretty good about no one being able to do it because of the process. And they can actually now probably do a third year. So the third non-exclusive franchise tag would pay him about his market value, but it wouldn't be prohibitively expensive. So he's now probably three years away from free agency, which just changes this around a bit. And the fact that he's not getting many bites out there as part of this unrestricted um, as part of this um, non-exclusive franchise tag, just to me seems like he's kind of lost the leverage a bit. He needs to do something to get it back or, or accept the deal that the Ravens have on the table, which I presume is close to what he now reportedly wants, which apparently is not a fully guaranteed deal and is a probably over $200 million worth of, of guaranteed money. Um, it could be a five, six year deal. He's fine with that just as long as he gets close to Deshaun Watson, close or exceeds Deshaun Watson's um, guaranteed money. So I, I don't know. It, 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 he feels like his only options really are to change the game in some way. And maybe that's what this interview is about. Um, and to try and change the leverage position that he's in or to, or to accept a contract from the Ravens. Well, we're all going to find out that if we can hear a single word that he says during this interview. <laughs> and if the, um, if the sample is anything to go by, um, we're going to need someone to subtitle it before we can um, find out where he is. The thing I'm worried about, and it, it, we're not there yet, but the thing I am worried about is that I think he probably, I think the, the, the highest likelihood of what happens, I think, is that he plays on the tag through this year. And if he plays on the tag through this year, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if he turned up for training camp or, or some of the, and certainly not the OTAs, which worries me because this is going to be a brand new offense. I, I yeah. don't want our quarterback not in the building with Todd Monken installing his offense. It's just, it's going to put them behind the eight ball and that's, that's going to be a problem. We mentioned um, last week, James, well, we, we talked about collusion and um, teams around the league. Why, in, why do you think that he's not having this reception that he was potentially expecting? Do you think it's because teams, the narrative now is teams don't want to do Baltimore's bidding for them. Is that it? Or is there some, is there some, something deeper than that that's stopping teams wanting to go get Lamar Jackson? For me, it's a, it's a mix of a lot of things. You absolutely cannot rule out some form of collusion. You know, Brian Flores called the NFL a, a plantation. So, uh, like, th- there is a real chance that there is some kind of collusion here from a lot of rich white billionaires. Um, so, I, I and you know, he is a he is a black quarterback. So, you just can't rule that out. There are a number of other things that you can look at that I think are kind of evidence. I've mentioned the, the non-exclusive franchise tag process, having to hold that that cap those cap dollars on your cap when you offer in the deal, like you have to go ahead and there will be teams who to try and get, get a big cap first year cap here will have to restructure a lot of their players offer this deal to Lamar. And then if it's matched by the Ravens, then they've restructured all these contracts and cleared a load of cap space and then don't have Lamar. So it, it it's, that's really, I think precluding them from doing it. I think there's a huge thing about being the second owner, the second team, to give a fully guaranteed deal, if it is if it is close to a fully guaranteed, you know, to go over two hundred million dollars in 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 full guarantees, that's a really tough. You're setting a precedent 
you can no longer point to the Browns and say, look at those crazy guys doing that. Like it's now, this is it's happened twice now. So there's that. There's the thing about es- the escrow, which I've mentioned before, which is that any owner has to put all of that guaranteed money within a couple of weeks in an account in escrow. So they've got to liquidate well over $200 million from somewhere and put it in a bank account. It, that really, re- like apparently the Chargers and the Bengals are really struggling to get that money together for Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. And they're not con- they're not thinking they're going to have to do over $200 million in guarantees. So there's a lot of things I think that are going into it um, that are causing this to happen. You can't rule out collusion, but it does, it does feel like the, the challenge for me is that I think this process, the non-exclusive franchise tag process, has clearly, I don't know if it was offered in the last CBA negotiations as some kind of like, um, like some kind of thing for the players. It was almost like, I, I, I don't know if that was the case, but if it was, then the players, the players association did not do their due diligence on that as some sort of concession because it clearly is utterly meaningless. It is clearly a vehicle for the owners to pay their franchise players a lot less than the exclusive franchise tag. Um, because there's no chance that anyone's ever going to, ever going to do this. No one's ever going to get, no one's ever going to give him that. Con- the only way he, he is not going to sign a tender and move to another team. The only way he leaves the Ravens, I think, is that if during his negotiations with another team becomes clear that they're going to offer him a contract they like, that he likes, he's then going to go to, he's going to have to be asked to go to the Ravens and say, I want to leave. It's this team. You need to trade me to them. And then he'd sign the tender with us and then he'd be traded. Like, I think that is the only way that's going to, that, that he's going to end up with another team in this offseason. If, if he was a true free agent when free agency had opened, he'd have been signed long, long ago. He'd have been the, the first player gone. But there is that you've got to give up two, two draft picks, two firsts. Yeah. You've, you've, potentially got to change your offense. You've got to bring in new people and NFL owners and coaches. They're, they're a funny bunch and they don't like to, to, to be shown they were wrong. And all of them passed on Lamar in the draft. All of them could have had him on a rookie contract for five years and they all passed on him. And, and some of them are sat there now. You see the guys that told Lamar he should be playing wide receiver. They're, they're still at it now. And you look at sort of number one picks, number two picks, how many chances they get. These guys don't want to, don't want to turn around and go, well, you know, I'm going to give him 200, 250 million dollars now when I could have had him for nothing had, had I just, you know, seen that he was good to start with. They, they don't want to admit they were wrong. And you, you're right. And, and this, this is the, these are the same guys who in this draft class are, you know, doing exactly the same thing again. I hear the amount of people talk about Anthony Richardson as raw, as this raw prospect that, you know, he's just, he's a big project. He needs loads of work. The only way in which you can describe Anthony Richardson as raw is, is because he's, is because he doesn't have much game experience. If you genuinely watch him and chart his throws and you watch his play on tape, what you see is a guy who's extremely advanced in his, in the way that he processes the game. There are things he does that you cannot teach people. And he has learned things in his quarterback play that you just don't, if you don't have it by this point, you're never going to have it. He's far more advanced than a lot of the, a lot of the quarterbacks that we've seen come out. Um, and it's the same, it's the same stuff. Again, it's the same thing we saw with Lamar Jackson. He has a, Anthony Richardson has a low completion percentage, which Lamar had. Lamar is a running quarterback. Anthony Richardson can run with his legs, but he's an elite pocket mover as well. That 
it's it's the same lazy opinions and and you can't help but wonder if it's because they're they're black quarterbacks and it's the same stuff is coming out again and i think you're right Ian. there's a thing about maybe the ravens still are the only team who sort of are thinking that lamar is worth that kind of money um it 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 it, it really is sad it really is a sad state of affairs because i think he's a generational player and i don't think he i think he's scratching the surface at the moment i still think there's a lot of lot of headroom um, for him to be even better than he already is. Right, okay, very quickly then, before we get on to um, the rest of the Baltimore Ravens, Ian, let's have your update. Where where, where are you in terms of Lamar? Does he play this year? Has he played on the tag or is he somewhere else before the season starts? Same as I said two two weeks ago, he, he plays on the tag. He won't turn up for training camp, I don't think, and, and OTAs, which as James has mentioned, is a, is a real problem with a, a new offensive coordinator. I think he plays on the tag and... and I. It's it drama continues. Yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. It's, this isn't going away. James? I think the same. I think don't forget the Ravens do have a track record. Like there's a lot of stuff out there and it's and it's big news because it's Lamar, but the Ravens have a track record of tagging guys once, sometimes twice, and getting a deal done. You, know, you think about Ronnie Stanley, they got a deal done mid season after they tagged him. So there there is a there is a there is a chance, I think, that the Ravens can can get something done. Um, but but I definitely think he plays on the tag for the Ravens. I just can't see any other way other than what I said, which is that some wildcard team comes in and trades for him post-draft. Yeah, it's going to get really interesting post-draft as well because if they do it the tag way, we then don't see the draft pick until next year, which then Lamar, in essence, has played for the team for the year. So that first round pick, you're, you're then assuming it's in the late 20s. So uh, that's what it gets really interesting for the Baltimore Ravens and so, the Ravens fans. So the thing is that the you know the reason I mentioned the 49ers is the 49ers can do something that probably other teams can't, which is send the Ravens a former first round pick quarterback that's that's not similar. They're very different players, but they could send him send them Trey Lance to run this offense and some first round picks and see see what happens. You know, there's there's um. There's a way for the 49ers to get it done, which is why I mentioned them. Interesting. Right, okay. Let's talk about the rest of the team then, starting with some people that we've brought back into the fold. Ian, Justice Hill returns on a two-year deal, a a workhorse piece for us, does lots of special teams, um, a good guy just to have around. He is. I was slightly surprised by this one. Um, JK is obviously going to be the lead back and then you've got Gus. I thought they, they might let Justice Hill go and, and he's back at quite a hefty price as well. It's not, it's not cheap for a, a sort of third, third choice running back. Um, I mean, he, he's an absolute gun on, on special teams. He's a, he's a standout there, but it's an awful lot of, of money for a guy that's, that's leading your special teams unit. Um, that they do only have five draft picks this year, so so maybe they've decided we're well, we're not we're not going to even entertain running back. I th- I was thinking they might they might look that way in the draft or a sort of undrafted guy and try and try and bring one in, but it it looks like they they've got three backs now and and they're the three they're going with. I can't I can't see them doing much else there. So my um my running back dream from the draft is is going to die sadly. James, I think we looked at this when um, Tyler Bader came in last year, and I think we we all spoke about this in last off season, saying where does Justice Hill fit in this team? And he just 
continues to to plod along and find his way. Yeah, I think the thing for me was he looked pretty good actually when he came when he came in this last this past season. So I, he probably played his back. And when I say looked good, he's obviously always looked good on special teams, but he looked good on offense when he came in. I suspect he's probably played his way into that this contract because of that. But I, I'm with Ian a bit. I, I, it's interesting because it. I, I guess that the X factor probably is that there's the lack of picks. But this is this is a very deep running back class. Like you can get a lot of different type of players. There's going to be players in this running back class that probably go sort of day three. That in other in other day in other drafts might go day two or um, low on day three, and then could have gone higher on day three. So I do think. Uh, I do think this is a good class, so it was interesting that they chose to go that way with Justice Hill. But the Ravens do value special teams very highly, and and, and Justice Hill is is a ridiculously good gunner. So perhaps that is that is part of it. But I do think he did pretty well, and uh, uh, when he played, and I think that is, I think that does kind of lock them in as the as the running back stable for next next season. Um, special team, teams transitions nicely into the next guy, then Nick Moore, the. Part of the the, the remade Wolf Pack of the drop the Wolf Pack name now is that that sort of that sort of gone with Morgan Cox and um, Sam Cook now hasn't it? It's it's just the special teams unit. But James um, Nick Moore, long snapper. I, if anyone's going to have anything to say about the long snapper, I'm, I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he snaps the ball great long long. <laughs> There's not a lot to say about it. Nick Moore's been a very reliable long snapper and they got him back at a reasonable deal. It would have been a hole they had to fill. Like, so it doesn't really make any sense. You might as well just keep the guy around. Playing long snappers like playing bass in a band. And what I mean by that is if, if you play, sorry to any bass players that listen to Can, can you guess Gaz is probably a bass player and he's about to big them up here? No, I'm, I'm absolutely not a bass player. I can play six strings because I'm an adult. Um, but, 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 sorry to any bass players. Yeah, we've just lost a few listeners. <laughs> bass players, you only hear the bass when it's wrong. If the bass, if they're playing the bass right, you don't hear bass, you feel bass. It adds the low end of the song. The only time you hear a bass player is when they're playing wrong. Long snapper, the only time you notice a long snapper is when they're doing it badly. So the fact that we don't really know a lot about Nick Moore or what he does shows that he is a, a working cog in the system. I feel like the the other times you hear bass players are when the band like steps back and is like introducing the band and they'll they'll shut up and they let the bass player play for a minute and you hear the bass yeah. and it sounds awful. Um, yeah, it's like bring, it's like maybe, bring your kid to work day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe Justin Tucker should do that at one point. Just stand back and be like, Nick Moore. Yeah. <laughs> Just snapping balls all over Snap the Snap it as far as he can. <laughs> right. Yeah, we've talked about it at the top of the show already, but let's uh, mention Gino Stone. This really uh, this really threw, upset some people on, on Twitter and on, on WhatsApp and we'll we'll shout Rory out again. He he unfortunately is the namesake to these um, Twitter meltdowns. What, what went on here? It did. So, so the, the Justice Hill signing got people upset. They, they thought that was a bit too much money for Justice. But releasing Geno Stone really pushed people over the edge. As I say, Rory was like the like the kid in the supermarket that his mother said he can't have any sweets, and he's just lying <laughs> on the floor, just like <laughs> waving his arms around. It was it was something to behold, honestly. And as I say, they they brought him back 24 hours later, and he, and he's back. And um, 
really pleased with this one because Gino obviously stepped in last year when when Marcus Williams went down and and played pretty well, well more than pretty well. I thought he he really he really stood out. Um, it'd be interesting to see his role this year. Obviously, Marcus Williams is going to start at, at that free safety position. You're expecting Kyle Hamilton to to slide back into that Chuck Clark role. So. Um, do they still use the three safeties? It'll be be interesting to see what they do. Um, Gino obviously plays an awful lot of special teams. We, we mentioned Justice Hill as well. But him, him, and um, Gino are really the, the standout special teams guys at the minute. But I, I think Gino's done enough to force his way onto onto the field as that third safety. Yeah, I agree with you, Ian. I think that's that was why it was a bit a bit shocking they did that. But it was clearly just part of the business. They didn't want to sign him on the on the RFA tender and wanted to bring him back. Um, on a different contract, so it, it was good that they that they got that done because you're right, he did play really well. Um, and of course, you know, there's 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 an opening. I feel like we need to hit on the Ravens podcast bingo of uh, you know mentioning the green dot. Chuck Clark's gone now, so you know, obviously it won't be Geno Stone because he's not on the field every snap. So maybe it'll be Roquan. You know, anyway. Uh, it, it's it's def- being very it's sarcastic def- there. It's definitely rogue one for anyone that's wondering. <laughs> um, but yeah, Gino, I do think you're right. I think you'll get on the field in three safety packages. And, and Hamilton isn't, I don't think Hamilton is yet ready to play that that position um, full time. So I, I do kind of like that they brought back another sort of competent safety. The only thing I'd say though is I think Gino is, is better um, in a, in a well, he's, he's better in a split safety role, but he's also better as the kind of, uh, I, I feel he's better going backwards than he is going forwards, if if that makes sense. Um, but I, I think there's a um, there's a place for him um, on on certain packages on defense, definitely. So uh, as we mentioned, Chuck Clark goes up to the um, the northern um, office of the Baltimore Ravens to the New York Jets, uh, where Ravens players go to die, seemingly. Um, other departures that we've seen over the past couple of weeks: um, Tristan Cole and Castillo goes. To also to the Jets, shocker. Um, Chris Bard also goes to the AFC North with the Patriots. Um, ben Powers goes to the Broncos. And then a couple of notable free agents. Um, Clayce Campbell has been ru- well, rumoured, reported to be visiting the Falcons. Marcus Peters is still out on the street and Justin Houston. Guys, is there anyone out of that group you, you particularly want to talk about before we, we get off these? Do want to mention the free agents or anyone... Be- James, to talk talk about Ben Powers before we, we go any further. What what's your thoughts on um Ben Powers leaving and how do you think he'll he'll get on with the Broncos? Yeah, Powers played really well this this year and and, and I think he was never if there are any Ravens fans out there under any illusion that they were the Ravens were gonna bring back Ben Powers, um that was never gonna happen. He played himself out of out of Baltimore with the way he played. Um and good for him, you know, he stuck around for a while and, and, and finally hit it hit it off. Um he played really well. The only thing I would say is having watched a bit of a bit of um, uh, the Ravens back from last season um, over the last couple of months, I do think the kind of assignments he was getting were they were asking a lot more of Tyler Linderbaum in pass protection. And so Linderbaum, you know, came out if you people follow PFF, came out with a with a far worse, with not a very good grade in pass protection. But I do think he was being asked to do a lot more than Ben Powers. I think they were helping Powers quite a lot. Um, and I, th- I think so. I, I don't. I, I'm not sure that the val- that what the Broncos paid for him was is necessarily. I think the Ravens are, are happy to say, you know, thanks very much. That was a great year, but we're happy for you to go. 
um, for that kind of money. Um, I think it's right player, right price, and I'm not sure that was the right price for me with Ben Powers. Um, as much as I think he probably will be a solid guard in that scheme and um, fine, like he's you, you need solid offensive line number hard, hard to find. And, and that's actually why I would talk about the other guy on this list, which is Tristan Colon Castillo, which is it's a bit of a shame to lose him, I think. Um, they obviously really didn't have any choice, you know, any choice in the matter. They couldn't bring him back on the restricted free agent tender. It was too high. So they had to let him go. And I'm sure they probably tried to sign him back. It's a bit disappointing just because that hole at the left guard spot, I'm not 100% confident in Ben Cleveland filling that and Cologne would have been good competition for him. So it's a bit disappointing to lose to lose Cologne in that way. Um, he, he would have been a guy I would have wanted them to try and keep around. And I'm sure they did. They just, you know, he just wanted to go somewhere else, probably where he, he may start. Um, or at least he's probably, maybe they, he feels he's got a better path towards starting. Um, I would argue not. I think he probably could have beaten Ben Cleveland out in, in training camp. But uh, yeah, a bit disappointed with Cologne going. For, for all the drama we've had so far over the offseason, if you look at the Ravens roster, there's not a ton of holes. I mean, obviously wide receiver you're looking at, you're looking at cornerback. I think, I think a few people are forgetting about Brandon Stevens, who's, who was what, a third round pick who at some point has, has either got to step up or has got to be given a chance. Um, and left guard, there's, there's not a ton of holes past that. Obviously five, five draft picks. The, the one guy on that list that, it's a bit of a puzzle to me is Calais Campbell. Um, obviously the Ravens weren't going to bring him back at, at his price and they've gone a, a little bit younger on the D line. They've, they've drafted Jones and Madabike recently. Um, but just looking at where he's visiting the Falcons, is, is that a money thing or is that just show the, the lack of interest in Calais? Cause to me, he should be looking at a team that's the challenging, you know, he, he needs one sack for his hundredth or whatever it is. And he's, and he's chasing a ring. That can't be the Falcons, surely. I don't know if I needed one sack for a hundred. I think I'd probably look at the AFC, the <laughs> NFC South as well. <laughs> of, of, all the, of all the places you, you're going to go, that's probably, that's probably where I'd be looking as well. I mean, I'm with you on Calais, uh, James. You, you'd actually called it out on the podcast um, before it went, saying we're all talking about keeping Calais Campbell at that money. We're not going to be able to keep him. Um, I, I get it. Am I wrong here? Is this all Lamar? If Lamar's in place, do we do we have a better understanding of what money we have? Do you think? Or I, I, I don't think the Calais one is Lamar. I think some of them are. Calais is what thirty-seven year old defensive end. Like the, the chances of him playing a seventeen-game season and and not getting hurt when you've drafted, as I say, Travis Jones, Madabike, you know. At some point, you've got to let these guys go. You've, you've got to let them move on for the money they're making as well. And Calais Campbell was, was very, very good last year for the Ravens. He's been good over his career for the Ravens, but, but at some point, you've got to say thanks and, and let them go. I don't, I don't think Calais was, was a result of the Lamar hoarding money. Do you not see no. Calais, do you not see Calais coming back then? To, to the Ravens, yeah, it, uh, at the right price, I'd I'd take him back. But but again, he's he's a thirty seven year old guy that is taking snaps away from a what was Travis Jones, a third round draft pick. You know, um, at, at some point, you you've got to, if you're drafting these guys in the third round, you've you've got to give him a go. And I I, I don't know what Calais was rumored to be making. Was it nine million this year? I, that's ludicrous money. I th- I think the. The inaction in free agency and the trade market is Lamar. Like they, they have to hold some space in case someone offers a deal that's horrendous. I think, um, horrendous to be able to match. I think Lamar's cap hit this year, 
isn't that far off a cap hit that you would have if he signed a long-term deal. So they would have had to have made these moves, even if he'd signed a long-term deal, I think. Um, if they knew that he was going to be the, the QB going forward and he was on a, on a, on a contract, they would probably do some other restructures and make something happen in the free agency market or in the trade market. But they're not willing to do that at the moment. So I think it's more the, the Lamar situation is more the, in, is more the, like, inaction in free agency and trades. I think they would have had to have done this with Calais anyway. I think Ian's right. I do think he's played at quite a high level, um, especially when he played last year. He played; he's still playing at quite a high level. Um, but Ian's right; you're starting to you're starting to play with with a more loaded. You're starting to play Russian roulette with a more loaded gun, expecting him to continue to churn out 17 game really good seasons. Like it's starting to be like: is this is this a bit of a risk? Is this really a good use of of a large portion of the of your salary cap to 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 sort of gamble on him continuing to play at that level? If, if the Ravens knew Lamar was locked in for this season and he was going to play at 32 million, it's not a problem. We've, we've spoke about this before. There's quarterbacks. Jared Goff's making more money than him. You know, there's, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are making more money than him. The problem is that 32 million is there at the minute. They don't know that Lamar's going to play. So they have to save that they can't restructure guys like Marlon Humphrey, like Ronnie Stanley. You see other teams doing it, restructuring contracts, opening up and then going and spending in free agencies. The Ravens can't do that on the chance that Lamar doesn't play and, and they have to match an offer. They, they need all the money they can get at the minute. Okay, so we are looking at bringing some some people in at least. Um, we'll get on to the players the Ravens have potentially missed out on. Elijah Moore and Adam Thielen. Who needs those, Ian, when we've got Nelson Aguilar coming to town? Um, <laughs> in, what, in what feels like the most Ravens move ever. What, so where are we with wide receiver? We've had uh, Nelson Aguilar has visited. Yep. We went to see Odell Beckham Jr. And if if you read between the lines on Twitter, offered him $4 million um, a year and he was very upset about it. And also DJ Chark's out there. We'll come back to DJ Chark. Uh, I don't think the Ravens have necessarily been linked to him yet. But where, where's your head on, 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 on how we fill in that wide receiver room with between Nelson Aguilar and um, Odell Beckham Jr. coming off a of ACL, is it? Uh, I, okay. <laughs> This was one that uh, the Twitter world, WhatsApp, everyone hated across the board. It's fine. He's, it's, this is what the Ravens do. He's, you know, Nelson Aguilar's not the worst receiver in the world. I, I really don't understand what people like. We're not going to go out and, and get a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson. These guys aren't out there. You, you look at who's available. It's Aguilar. It's Chark. It's Odell Beckham who, won't go and visit teams. You have to go and see him. And uh, if you, if you, uh, believe the reports, he's asking for sort of 15, 20 million a year. As you say, a 30 year old guy coming off an ACL. I still think Odell Beckham's a very good player, but, but that's what he is now. Um, Aguilar's fine. He'd be, he'd be Demarcus Robinson. You know, that's, that's what he is. Um, I don't think we need to get, massively upset and the, and the Ravens haven't signed him. It's not like they've gone out and, and given him 15 or 20 million a year and said, come in and be our number one. That's not what they're asking the guy to be. So I, I, that there isn't a ton of options out there that p- people are, are talking about trading for Deandre Hopkins and, and names like this. And again, I, 
our expectations, you've, you've got to bring them down because you, you're going to be upset. It's, it's, we've, we keep parking back to this Lamar money. Like that money's put aside until we know what's going on. That, that's not going to happen. If you want a wide receiver, start looking to the draft guys because that's where it's going to come from. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm with you, Ian. I, I think um, like, I just can't get worked up about Aguilar. It's it's fine. Like I don't, if it, yes, if they bring him in on ten to fifteen million a year, then I'm I'm a bit unhappy about it. But I'm sure that's not the kind of numbers they're talking about. Um, you're right. There's there's not a lot out there, and so you've got to try and improve the room in some way. But the 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 the, the real way in which you improve the room is you draft the kid in the first round. And you trade for someone, and as you mentioned, I'm not sure the tr- trading for a for a, an elite receiver like DeAndre Hopkins is really on the table at this point. I, I just it just doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense if you're not if you're not certain that Lamar Jackson is going to be your quarterback next year. This was the decision they made. They used the non exclusive franchise tag. They just they made this decision, so they were going to have to hold this money available. If he if they knew he was going to be playing, then million percent they would be looking at going out and trading for someone he's an aggressive gm eric DeCosta. he's gone out and done this before i know people will point to other trades that other teams have made he's not over he's not like overly aggressive he's not f them picks like he's he but he, he will go out and make a deal um, and i do think he would be looking to do that if they knew them if they had more certainty around the cap situation i i don't think it's just an excuse i think it's they're trying to be responsible um I'd love for them to trade for someone. I'd love for them to put some people around Lamar Jackson, but that needs to come with them paying Lamar Jackson. Like if they if they want to do that, they need to go. They need to pay Lamar Jackson over two hundred million dollars in guaranteed money, get him on a long term deal, and then go and make some deals. Um, but they've chosen a different tack. So it, it's also a pretty pretty hard sell. You go to a, a free agent wide receiver and say, "Hey, do you want to come and play for the Ravens next year?" Yeah, I'd love to. Um, who's throwing me the ball? Not don't actually know. I'll, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Thanks, though. Yeah. I'll tell you what as well. Nelson Aguilar is a whole lot better than like some Ravens fans will remember when the Ravens went and offered an absurd contract to Ryan Grant um, when we all sort of went, who? Uh, and then a few days later realised and then failed mysteriously failed his physical <laughs> and reneged on the deal. <laughs> so at least we're not in that situation. Aguilar is like one year removed from a from a pretty good season, actually, and would be an interesting sort of uh, bounce back candidate. So, and it, as long as it's the right price, I'm not really bothered about that. I, he, like I said, you've got to improve the room somehow. Um, although we'll talk about someone in a second who I think probably should have been a candidate to improve the room, and I hope they were in on him and just got they just couldn't make it work because of what the uh, the Jets wanted for him. Oh, for a second, I was uh, I was hoping you were talking about Ian's no, the number one guy on Ian's free agency board. Um, I am, of course, talking about DJ Chark. Um, Ian, you you sort of you 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 let us know your displeasure about the DJ Chark love before the podcast. So I just wanted to sort of give you um, an open mic and and let us know your thoughts I- on. The Ravens bringing DJ Chark into the building. I'm going to get flamed for this because he seems to be an absolute favourite, and I can't, for the life of me, understand why. Like, if you're going because on, he has a theme song, because he's got a theme song. If you're going on <laughs> pure numbers, Nelson Aguilar has more touchdowns and more receiving yards than him over the past three seasons. And if you want to know why that is, it's because DJ Chark misses games. He's played in 28 of the last 50 games. He's 
he's not played through October in the last two seasons. We talk about Lamar missing games in December. This is a guy that gets put on IR every October. Like I, he, he's a great player when he's on the field. He just never is. Like why the Baltimore Ravens of all teams want to bring in the most injured wide receiver in the league is beyond me. So I can't get on board with like the Twitter and the WhatsApp and the Facebook. Everyone's screaming for this guy and I just can't get on board with it. Maybe, maybe, and he just likes Halloween, and maybe that he really likes the leaves falling and getting to Thanksgiving, and he just, you know, he, he finds a way to, to have that time off every year. I, I agree with you. It would be we be week, we'd be really excited about it. He'd be he'd be blazing down the field, and then week five he'd, he'd ping a hammy, and then we that would be it for for, for the, five six weeks. They're not small. If you look at his injury history as well, they're not small little like knocks and stuff. This is a guy that like broken ankles and you know stuff like this for a wide receiver no no thank you so the other side of the ball then the ravens have hosted um someone and that is rocky sin cornerback um from most recently the raiders i believe colts then raiders drafted by the colts in 2019 in the second round uh, spent a couple of years with the raiders um what what's going on with rocky sin here is 26 years old um, a couple of picks, high second round pick, just not land, not landed in the right place yet. The Ravens could be that place, or is he struggled? I'm just on um, Pro Football Reference now. He seems to not miss that many games. Um, be a solid piece that we could potentially add to this room. Is there any reason outside cost that we shouldn't bring Rockus in into this franchise? Do we think? Um, no, I think it's you know. It, it's not a guy that I feel is going to come in and lock down the cornerback two spot. To me, it doesn't doesn't make sense for me that I he's been fine. Um, I really liked him coming out. Uh, he's temple guy, but tough guy. He is the kind of physical physical cornerback that we we expect at the Ravens. He would be a guy that you'd be bringing in to compete for that. He would be a guy you'd be bringing in to compete for the cornerback two spot if you felt that you weren't going to be bringing in a established free agent to do it. So if you're, if you're not bringing Marcus Peters back, um, we're going to talk about Darius Slay. If you're not bringing Darius Slay in, probably consider bringing Rocky Sin in and thinking about maybe drafting a guy um, and having a bit of a competition for that quarterback two spot. They've really invested in the secondary in recent years. You've got Brandon Stevens there, as Ian's already mentioned. You, know, you, you bring in a, a much a more chiseled veteran and then bring in a rookie and you're sort of saying, actually, now we've got more chances of filling that spot with a guy who, who works uh, probably less than we'd have had to have paid for a, um, for a, for a, uh, you know, a reasonably big time free agent. It's, it all feels so weird. Cause I just, every time we, we talked about a lot here and everything is just, and we had this before the podcast, everything's just so hinged on this Lamar Jackson thing that we're talking about all these players that the Ravens are bringing in. Everything is so ludicrously hinged on this Lamar Jackson thing and I'm trying to think oh yeah this would be nice this is nice who's th- who's the quarterback and my brain just keeps going <laughs> who's the quarterback what's going on with the quarterback anyway um, because of that some players that the Ravens have missed out on mainly wide receivers as Ian says this could be due to the fact that um, the Ravens are reaching out to these players and they're they're, they're, getting, they're getting asked that question what who who's throwing the ball? And at this moment, the Ravens can't answer. So, um, Al Lazard, Alan, Adam Thielen, um, for some reason, WhatsApp group, 
Mikel Hardman, I'm not sure who it was, but somebody was basically saying, I'm not going to follow the Ravens anymore because we didn't sign Mikel Hardman. Who the hell is Mikel Hardman? Um, and the, the big one here is um, Elijah Moore, Ian. Um, he, he, he feels like the big one that we really missed out on. Or is Mikel Hardman God? No, 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 no. I just, it feels like we're getting on the WhatsApp group tonight. And I want to say, like, they are a really good bunch. It's just, it's, you know, it's great fun to watch it from afar and just see, like, da- the daily conversation in there. Uh, yeah, Elijah Moore's the one, isn't he, really? Uh, he's just, just before we came on the podcast, actually, just got, got traded. Uh, and it was always on the cards. The Jets, for some reason, seem to, seem to have, have gone out of their way to, to push him out of the building. Um, and he'd have been a, a really cheap option, a really young option. I'm sure James is going to tell us all about him coming coming out. Um, my only hope is that, I mean, the, the Ravens and the Jets know each other very well. I'm hoping that the Ravens made a call and someone at the Jets said, "Well, hang on a minute, this this guy's trouble. He won't he won't fit you." You know, I I don't know this at all, but I'm hoping that something like that's gone down because if we weren't in on him, then I'd I'd be slightly disappointed. Yeah, there's been some stuff, hasn't there? There's been some rumours about him. I, it could all be absolute rubbish and also could be that it's just a, needed a change of scenery, didn't want to get out. You know, he, He's had some struggles when with the amount of changeover at QB for the Jets. And there have been times when he's played with Mike White and at times of Flacco as well, when he's looked like the kind of guy that we thought he was going to be coming out. The real challenge for me is that he's, like you said, Ian, he's cheap. Um, he fits a hole that the Ravens have. Like you would plug him in the slot. Um, and that would be a really, it would be a bit of a changer for this, for this offense. Um, to have to deal with Elijah Moore, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely over the middle of the field, um, would be a real, real challenge for, for some teams. They, they do need some speed still, the Ravens. I, th- I feel, I think, I think losing Hollywood Brown was a, was a, a thing. And, Moore's plenty fast, but you'd you'd, you'd want to get back to something. You know, they'd want to be drafting someone with speed. But you think if they trade for Elijah Moore, they add a, a receiver at, um, in the draft in the first round who's got some speed, and and then you're looking to you're off to the races type thing. I think with that wide receiver core, um, based on where they are at this point in their 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 build of their team, um, the cheap thing was the thing that really 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 was the thing that was the that would have been good. I think the challenge probably is that the Ravens weren't well. The only way the Raven, the Jets probably, I, th- I feel that this is probably a precursor move to Aaron Rodgers. Um, so the Jets probably wanted wanted that particular pick in the second round, um, or at least a pick around that point in the second round. Don't forget the Ravens don't have a second round pick because they traded it for Roquan Smith. I'm sure the Jets, if the Ravens were interested, I'm sure the Jets will have said, well, we'll have you first then. But I'm pretty sure the Ravens wouldn't have been looking to, to trade a first, even if it was a, a pick swap in some way where the Ravens trade the first and get a second back from the Jets. They probably didn't want to trade out of the first round entirely um, with the couple of glaring holes they have on the team. like They've got a couple of, like Ian said before, most of the team is set, but there are one or two holes they need to fill. There's some some matchup with this draft class on some of their needs. It's a decent edge class. It's a bit a little bit pick your flavor. It's not like all great. So like, but there's some edge. There's be an edge player that the Ravens could take at that point in the draft if they liked one of them. There'll definitely be a cornerback they can take. The cornerback class is deep, so it feels like there's a 
there's a route there for them to take to to address a hole. So they probably didn't want to give up that pick, and that's understandable at this point, I think. So let's talk about cornerback then, Ian. Just quickly, a a moment of silence for my push for Jalen Ramsey. Moment over. Um, Yeah, Jalen Ramsey signs with the Miami Dolphins. (laughs) Ian, you pulled me up on this before the podcast. Miami looked like a really good team going into next year. They seem to have made some really interesting moves and um, sort of somewhat excited to watch Miami play. Is that weird? That feels weird. But yeah, excited to to watch Miami play next year with um, some big names on the team. The big one was Darius Slay, who maybe was a free agent, do we think? But then maybe wasn't a free agent. What's, what's going on with Darius Slay? Was there any chance we were ever going to be able to have a conversation with him, do you think? I, I, again, it depends who you believe, but there's there's reports out there that that he and the Ravens talked and and they had a deal worked out. Um, Marlon Humphrey's eye emoji game was was pretty strong on this one on Twitter. Um, but I don't think he, he ever was a, a true free agent. I think it was one of those the Eagles sort of said to him, go and, go and have a look, see what you can get. And as soon as they, they got wind that someone was sniffing around and offering what they were offering, then I think they just, they pulled the trigger and, and kept him in house. I mean, it, it would have, people would have lost their minds over this because he, he's not a wide receiver and the Ravens would have spent more money on, on a defensive player, but he'd have been a really, really good player. I mean, him next to Marlon Humphrey with Williams and Hamilton, that, that secondary would have been ridiculous. Like, it's good enough as it is, but you put put him in there. It's it's a ridiculous secondary. Um, Jalen Ramsey would have been nice. Skaz, I was I was with you. He's the one player that I've really got into pre-draft, and I remember sitting up on draft night, and I honestly thought we were going to get him. I really did. Like, and and I nearly cried when we didn't. It's the one time I've been I've been really upset. Um, so so he'd have been nice, but. As I say, I don't think the Slay thing was was ever really going to happen. It was nice for for the hour or so that it lasted. Yeah, I think I think I think we said this right off the back of the season. This this draft feels the most Ravens first round cornerback ever. Um, the highest graded corner out of Alabama, no doubt. Um, okay, let's look at a route. Any other? Before, sorry, before we get off the uh, wide receivers that. The Ravens have maybe missed out on anyone particularly sad about McCall Hardman, Adam Thielen, or Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard we couldn't have had because he's on Rogers' list. <laughs> on the wish list. We'll, we'll only sign anywhere Rogers tells him to. It's, it's kind of interesting seeing the, the market's obviously resetting itself. There were some crazy deals given out given out last year, and and the wide receiver prices have really come down this year. And a lot of guys are taking really short deals, sort of one and two years, and, and looking to cash in again. So. Um, I am I am keeping my eye on the the Odell Beckham thing because the the money he's asking for, if he is indeed asking for that, he's he's not going to get close to that. And there's a lot of teams now that are that are filling up those needs. So, I mean, the Chiefs are still going to be kicking around, and and probably the Patriots and a and a couple of others. But um, DeCosta did did make a big song and dance about reworking this this wide receiver room. So, if it was us that offered him four million, maybe we've we've burnt our bridges there. But uh, maybe we're not totally out. I guess the big name still out there is DeAndre Hopkins. Any any interest in DeAndre Hopkins, or is, is this does the money come into it here a little bit too much with Hopkins at the moment? Um, I, I would be interested in him. You'd have to restructure his contract, um, which you could do. Um, it, it just it'd be interesting. 
the price would be the interesting thing for me because you know he is i think he's 30 so you know the ravens have had some success with older stud receivers in the past and so maybe there is something to be done there but the price is key um because you would have to restructure his deal you'd have to find a way to make it work um but i, I so i'd be interested but it, it would it would it would depend on the on the draft pick compensation i'd have to give up for him it'd be, it'd be really interesting trade that bear in mind that we took a first round pick off the cardinals for Marquise brown uh, last year which is looking like Compared to where the market is this year, such an overpay by um, the the Cardinals last year. So it'd be interesting to see if they're a little bit hesitant to give us such a good deal on on a player coming back this way. But um, I think just for the just for the sake of Ravens flock, UK Ravens, and all the fan groups around the world. Just please, just give us it. Just let's just let. <laughs> we'll worry about the money. We'll push the money down the line. Um, I think we, we just sort of need this win, as you say. Um, EDC was very high on um, rebuilding this wide receiver room, and so far it's looking awfully similar to what it, to what it did last year. So it would be nice to see um, some move happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love Hopkins in a in a Ravens jersey. I just don't see it happening. I don't think the the pick compensation will be that high. To be honest with you, I honestly don't. As James says, I think he'll have to rework his deal. The the problem is, as as much as the trade is between the teams, the the Cardinals would go to him and, and say, look, the, the Ravens are interested, and it and it comes back to that, who's the quarterback, and you know. If there's if there's other teams out there that are offering the same, he's he's going to go where he knows he knows the quarterback is. And I just it's you keep coming back to it, Gaz. It's just the the sword hanging over everything at the minute. I think we may have a title for today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the quarterback? Okay, let's talk about um, around the league then. Um, a few bits. I'm not sure if there's anything that we want to delve too deep into. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Went on the Pat McAfee show and um, sort of strung armed the Packers into saying, I'm only going to play for the, the Jets. But no, since then, no trade has been done. There's a whole thing of who's in the point of leverage. This feels like this is going to bang on for way longer than what it needs to do. And I used to really like Aaron Rodgers as a player. And I think in the first year when he did the McAfee show, it it came across really well. I think the, the, the subsequent years have, have really tinted my view on on what I think about Aaron Rodgers and I'm glad the Ravens were never involved in that um, sweepstake. Anyone, anything interesting on um, Aaron Rodgers and whether, whether he goes to the Jets? Do we, do we both just assume this will get done at some point? Oh, not no. Enti- maybe not. not entirely. I don't know. Like I, It feels like the longer this goes, the, the more complex it gets. You know, Rodgers has obviously done what he's done and it's kind of backed the Packers into a corner a little bit. But it's also kind of packed back the Jets into a corner a little bit. And I'd be it'll be interesting to see if it does get done, given what's happened. Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. That, that is um that is a hefty contract to be trading for. Um so it's interesting that the Packers are insisting on sort of two first round picks, apparently, for a guy that's, you know, that is on the verge of retiring. He literally admitted he's on he was on the verge of retiring. Like it could happen any moment. Obviously, he said that he wants to come and play for the Jets next year. But would you trade two first-round picks for the privilege of paying a thirty-nine-year-old? I don't think you'll get a first-round pick. I no. think it'll be something mid-round at this point, and it'll be in essence, it's a you, you've got to treat it as a as a one-year loan. I, I also I'm not sure what 
in that position, are you putting Zach Wilson underneath him and trying to almost bring him in? We know it's it's been known that Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the best mentor over over the years. So is that the sort of the guy? You, I, I don't know. It's an odd thing, especially if he's like I guess he hasn't got to learn a new offense because it's um, Nathaniel Hackett's offense that's going to be in there, isn't it? So. Well, they, um, it's strange, yeah. They've admitted they've made a mistake with Zach Wilson. That 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 this is this is them saying this this isn't the guy. Um, so I'd, I'm not sure. I, I don't think they'd be mentoring someone. The problem it's like I said, they've all kind of backed themselves into corners. You've got the backers who are in a situation where they need to get Rogers out of the building because they clearly want to play Jordan Love and find out what they've got so they can pick up his fifth year option if they need to. Like there's. There's all this stuff going into it, which sort of says actually maybe they're you know they're they're trying to I I don't know it just feels it feels like there's a lot of lot of like issues around that deal happening, which means that the Jets might end up being a player for Lamar Jackson at some point in the future. You know, Ravens North maybe they do want to they, they they at some point maybe this fall all falls through all falls down. Aaron Rodgers sells off into the sunset for retirement, and the Jets are left. Without a, if like we, without a Brian. if we somehow end up with Aaron Rodgers, I am not doing this podcast anymore. <laughs> That's not. If there's some <laughs> some weird world where the minds up at the Jets and we end up with caveman, um, I'm out. We I can't the Ravens it. couldn't do that because they'd have to. You know, they have to. Well, Lazard's already gone to the Jets. They'd have to bring like Donald Driver out of retirement. Like, <laughs> it, just, it just wouldn't work. Um, okay, Ian, the um, Bengals have got mainly worse, but then a little, well, maybe, depending on what, where your head's at with Orlando Brown. So Orlando Brown Jr. signs with the Bengals. Um, it was the, the highest paid left tackle for about 12 hours or something. Um, so he, he um, no agent again, uh, negotiated his own deal and um, it was meant to be really good and then we all looked at it and thought oh actually no it's not quite as good as what you think Orlando Brown um, but they've had quite a lot leave the ship so we had, we've had we had this conversation with Orlando over the years where we didn't know if he was so good because he was in the Ravens scheme and it was a Ravens system that made him a better left tackle or right tackle at that point then to left tackle he went to the Chiefs and won a ring he started off really rough with the Chiefs he had some really rough videos coming out played okay throughout the season how I'm excited to see him twice a year. Is that is that is that wrong of me? No, I, I think that's fair and, and and fair play. I managed to upset Bengals Twitter this week, which was which <laughs> no. was always always nice. So when when the signing happened, I, I put out a little tweet saying that maybe Lamar should hire Orlando as his agent because he's obviously very good at uh, getting people to to start him at left tackle, um, and that that upset quite a few Bengals people who, who came after me, um, and I think. Orlando Brown would be a top two or three right tackle in the league. I think we all know that. And he's fine at left tackle. He's not, he's not a bad left tackle. He's, he's absolutely fine. His, his run blocking is very, very good as a left tackle. His pass blocking maybe leaves a little bit to be desired. And as you say, he, he finished the season in the Super Bowl pretty strongly. I think he has benefited from having the most athletic quarterback behind him in Lamar Jackson and then going to Kansas where he had the best quarterback. Um, and, and Mahomes is, is good scrambler. He's the best scrambler out of the pocket anyway, like throwing the ball on, on the move in the league. So it'll be interesting. I, th- I think he'll be fine at the Bengals. I think Burrow gets the ball out quick. Burrow can move around. So I, I think it's a good, a good signing for the Bengals. And, and yes, I had a little jab at them, but I think it'll, it'll work out well. Um, I'm excited to see Ajabo and Owe and those 
those speed guys go up against him because I think that's where he struggles a little bit. Um, and I think he'll make, he'll make their line better. Um, they've obviously got a problem over at, at right tackle. Um, I think that the guy they brought in last year didn't, didn't live up to expectations. And, and the guy Williams, is it Jonah Williams who they they were trying to shift over from left tackle to right has thrown his toys out of the pram as expected and, and said he wants to leave. Give, give me a trade. So they have got some issues, both starting safeties from last year have, have now left. Jesse Bates is a, is a huge one. Um, one of my favorite safeties in the league has, has gone off and, and found himself some money in Atlanta, I believe. And, and Von Bell was, was pretty underrated. So there is some, some turnover there, but with Orlando, I think it's a good move for the, for the Bengals. He makes, he makes that, that position better. Like that is a, that is a good move for them in terms of left tackle. I do think I would be concerned as a Bengals fan just because the the kind of the the plan there to improve the line was to bring in Orlando Brown and move Jonah Williams and now you now Jonah Williams is on fire so that is an that is an issue for them um, like I, I I think I don't know whether that's then now a net positive in terms of signing Orlando Brown um, but he will improve their left tackle position um, with going out there. The main thing to talk about is definitely the fact that Bates and Bell have gone. Like I, I've, I've written and spoken about um, Lou Anarumo a lot um, in terms of the Bengals defensive coordinator. I have a major sort of coaching man crush on Lou Anarumo. He's a phenomenal coordinator. He's a phenomenal game planner. But one of the ways in which I, I, I've, I've described him before as a kind of, um, I've forgotten the sea creature I could describe him as, but he's like, um, he's able to change his, like change the structure of his defense on the fly. They're able to move um, post pre-snap, post-snap. You're not really sure what they're doing. They're, they use a lot of smoke and mirrors. They are really difficult to decipher as a secondary. Even the most advanced QBs really struggle to decipher what that secondary is doing from down to down. You see when they um, took down the Chiefs a couple of years ago to get to the Super Bowl, that the way in which Luana Rumo sort of adjusted during the game and at halftime and they came out and played such a lights out lights out game in the second half because he was able to coach them or he was able to get them to a point where they they really confused like I said some of the best QBs in the in the league so the the way he's able to do that is because he's got an established group of veterans on the back end which include two very talented safeties in Jesse Bates and Von Bell so Luana Rumo, when he was first with Cincinnati, was sort of they struggled a little bit under him. They had a couple of down years under him when he first when he first took over. While he was establishing that group, he's going to have to establish it again now. Now he's got a talented guy in Daxton Hill, um, who I really liked coming out last year. But it's going to take them some time to get back to the point where they're able to do that kind of stuff in the secondary, where it's kind of second nature and they're able to to really confuse opposing opposing quarterbacks. It, it it'll be interesting to see. Um, whether that defense can continue to to live at the same heights it's lived at in the last couple of years without those two guys on the back end. While we talk about the Bengals on the other side of the ball, they also lose um, Sam J. Perrine, um, which is interesting as their other running back seems to enjoy shooting at children in his pastime or playing in his driveway. So that's interesting for the Bengals. I mean, don't get me wrong, Joe Mixon, I feel you. There's always kids playing football outside my house. If I could shoot at them, I probably would as well. But um, oh, good laws in the UK and all that. Um, and then let's just say one last final farewell 
to Hayden Hurst, the man who had the biggest chip on his shoulder for literally no reason at all. Um, he also leaves the division and, and goes to the Carolina Panthers. So um, a few, um, yeah, a few notable um, players leaving the Bengals and Orlando Brown Jr. joining, which gives us another reason to hate the Bengals. Um, around what else we got? We've got Rogers Dawn, Orlando Brown to the Bengals, um, James. Talk to me like I'm six here. Right. The, the Bears have Roquan Smith on their roster. They say, no, no, no. We do not want to pay you and ship him off. And then just bring somebody else in who's probably not quite as good as Roquan Smith and pay them the money that they should have paid Roquan. What, what's going on here with the Bears? Yeah, I think this is... so. There's a lot of people sort of written about this, so it's kind of it's been a bit sort of tongue in cheek. I think the thing for me is um, they've Tremaine Edmonds, which is who they have signed to a deal that is almost twenty million dollars a year, um, is probably a better fit for that defense than um, uh, than Roquan Smith was. Um, it does it does to me um, make sense in this in the sense that they will. They will do some more sort of inverted cover two defense where you get a um, where you get a linebacker dropping. He, he's a bit of a nightmare in the middle of the field just because of his size, um, and so I think they they wanted. I think they probably wanted that um, in in the structure of their defense, the way it works. And I think it's probably for them a better fit than Roquan. Um, it's an interesting choice to make um, to do that. Uh, you know, you, you've got such a yeah, you've got such a talismanic player in in Roquan, and the, and the way he, the way he has transformed the Ravens' defense is is phenomenal. But I think what's really happened here is that Roquan Smith has exited a defense that didn't quite fit his skill set, and come into a defense that absolutely fits his skill set, and he's he's thriving even more than he was before. And he's a very talented, he's already a very talented player, so he's probably a top three type linebacker in the league. The Bears are banking on the same thing happening there with Tremaine Edmonds that they bring him in. And he's in a defense now that, that really fits his skill set, um, and which is why they've paid him that kind of money. So I kind of understand it, uh, but on the face of it, it is a kind of okay. We'll trade Roquan Smith away, and then we'll pay a guy who's basically the same amount. But I think when you dig into it a bit more, it, that's probably where where the bears are coming from. Well, we can't argue with it because it's worked out really well in our favor. So if you want to do that, bears, happy to do that. Um, Ian, before we start looking to get out of here, there's probably one other move that we want to mention. A podcast favorite for a lot of reasons. Um, gets paid some money somewhere else and a little bit of a congratulations to, to go out as well, isn't there? Yeah, it's a congratulations to the Bozeman family, both on on Bradley's contract and and the birth of their of their baby. Um, I'm desperate, desperately searching while James was talking there through the Panthers' Twitter to try and find out the the contract details, and they've got about a hundred tweets for Andy Dalton and other players, and I, and I can't find anything at all. So, well done, Panthers, for for the amount of tweets you put out, but I can't find the Bradley Bozeman stuff. Um, but yeah, con- congratulations! They're obviously a, a really good family and, and really made up for them. I believe it's three years, eighteen million dollars. Look at you knowing the details, guys. I think I think, I, I think that's the case. I might be way out. I'm sure that's what numbers come into me. I'm going three years, eighteen million dollars. So um, I've seen um, both Bradley and um, Nikki posting photos of like the 
they've obviously got settled into the community as we know they were going to do and I felt it was the baby. So yeah, from all of us, congratulations to to both of you on your success and being absolute millionaires. Well done. Well done you. All the hard work's paid off. Um, what are we running at? One hour ten. Um, we were going to look at the combine. I'm really, I'm scared if I throw this uh, to James at this point <laughs> to talk about the combine. Back. I'm still going to be. It's just, it's just about to tick over till 10 p.m. Um, in the UK when we're recording this, and I'm scared. I'm still going to be here at midnight. Um, we're going to do an episode later. In, well, moving into April, where we'll, as we start to preview the draft, we'll talk about the combine, and I think we'll talk about the players that are a little bit more. Um, aligned with the Ravens or rumored and for for what we need, um, James. Just a, any like couple of quick bits you want to mention? Anyone that really stood out to you? We talk about uh, we talked about Anthony Richardson. How how do you think how do you think he did? Anyone you sort of want to give a little bit of a shout out to on the back of the combine? You really you really worked hard to set that up, really, you, to just keep me <laughs> keep me restricted in a straitjacket. Um, I'll I will save most of my. Um, most of my comments for our draft episode, which will be in a couple of weeks, uh, probably a few more weeks, a couple of episodes of time. But I think um, the combine, uh, you know, we, as we usually get, it's the underwear Olympics. You have to kind of, actually there's new underwear this year. They didn't use Under Armour this year. I don't think what? it was new. Uh, it's new, all new changing. Underwear. Yeah. Who is uh, the sponsor? I'll I can't that. remember. <laughs> I thought that would pique your interest. Uh, <laughs> Fashion. <laughs> So we talked about Anthony Richardson earlier. Obviously, the Ravens might be in the QB market in the draft. So you, I've kind of spent a little bit of time on, on the quarterbacks this year. Anthony Richardson absolutely just tested out of the out of this world, really, at the Combine. Um, he is a ridiculously athletic QB. Um, he tested in the way Lamar probably would have tested if Lamar had actually tested at the Combine. Um, so that was really impressive. Um, but also, to me, it wasn't a surprise. He was always going to test like that. And also, I do think the tape does bear out that this this kid is you know you know he's not people i think there's there's a lot of confusion out there about him a lot of misconception about him he's he's i i believe he's gonna be very good um so there's a there's a real buzz around him the other thing maybe to mention really was just on the on the wide receiver front there were a few interesting wide receiver workouts that the ravens will clearly care about um this isn't a brilliant class um of receivers but there are a few guys that will probably be around where the Ravens where the Ravens pick. The Ravens were probably, I, I, I don't know, but the Ravens may have been hoping that Jackson Smith and the Jigba would have been around when they picked. He is probably the, the pick of the litter in this class. Um, he, the, the sort of one knock on him is his, is his um, long speed. Uh, you can see him get caught from behind at times on tape, but he is an elite separator in short spaces. He's brilliant um, at getting open in, in those tight spaces. He proved it with his combine workout where he had historic numbers in terms of his um, in terms of the short shuttle, the three cone. Um, so his agility measures were, were off the charts. So and then he's just run a four five two at his pro day today. So I'd be surprised if he's around for the Ravens in the 20s. Uh, Jordan Addison, who's another receiver, didn't run as well as, as people expected. Um, but again, I do think he's a good separator. And so there's there's other reasons why you might draft him. But so there were some interesting workouts from a receiver perspective. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the Ravens wish they were in the tight end market this year because they will be. The Ravens are always in the tight end market. They <laughs> will be salivating at this year's tight end class from Darnell Washington, who's six foot seven, 280 odd pounds and 
and runs like a runs like the wind, runs like a force. I can't remember what he ran. I think he ran like a four six or something absolutely ridiculous at the size he is. He's, he's basically about twenty pounds short of a left tackle, and he's running as fast as some of the slower wide receivers. So there's 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 him. There's some there, the, the best tight ends in this class are guys like Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer, um, who also had good workouts. So it's an interesting tight end class. The other thing to say is there's a corner out of Maryland, Deontay Banks, who ran out of the gym, uh, who people um, seem to like for the Ravens. Uh, and, but there are a number of cornerbacks who, who really had a great workout, Christian Gonzalez, Keely Ringo. So there's plenty to talk about. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there and we can talk a bit more about it in the in the draft episode. The Maryland corner, is he a Maryland kid as well or is he just at college well, I don't, Maryland? I don't know, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll find out for when we do, when we do, when we do the full draft. Okay, listeners, I'm sure you've all been waiting for this. Um, the new outfit uniform sponsor was Noble, which came from CrossFit fame. Um, it was started by um, co-founders Marcus Wilson and Michael Schaffer, who both worked for Reebok. Gaz has um, been hard at work on the Google there, listeners. Can I just say that that's impressive work, Gaz, because I've just been looking for it as well. And I was just looking at images from the Combine and everyone I saw, none of them had a shirt on, so... You know, if if I looked like that, I wouldn't wear a shirt either. But <laughs> seriously, like none of them were wearing a shirt. Yeah, I've never uh, heard of this brand. I don't. Do and also, though. really quickly, Deontay Banks is Baltimore, born and raised. Wow, that's that feels. Sign like, him up. That feels like a fit. He'll know his way around the stadium. <laughs> I love that. It's probably a Steelers fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's go off here. So once again, until. We just we're on constant we're in a constant state of waiting, um, and as soon as anything um, of interest comes out about Lamar Jackson, we will reconvene as quickly as we can and get an episode out to you. If nothing, if this silence continues, it will be another two weeks before you're hearing from us, which may be close to the draft preview episode. So we might be looking at the draft. And probably doing a bit more about Lamar Jackson, even though there'll be nothing to talk about. Um, I, we can't imagine the Ravens are going to make much moves, so I imagine we, we're going to be looking ahead to the draft in the next episode, which will be coming to you in two weeks' time. Before I get out of here, I, I do want to say, I, I give that WhatsApp group um, some grief, but it is actually quite a cool place to hang out. If you aren't already in it, please do get in touch and um, get thrown in it. It's like anything else. There's some funny takes, there's some good takes, there's some god-awful takes. Um, Where the problem lies is Ian and Shane once decided, I'll I'll tell you. Shane Shane decided. Shane decided one day, what I'll do is I'll just put this link on Twitter so anyone in the entire world can just stumble across this link and join this group. And... How many people joined the group within an hour? Like hundreds. I mean, most of them are trying to sell us like um, porn for the, for the most part. And there were a lot of AI bots and lots of weird stuff that was going on. But the group just expanded. We expanded too quickly. We didn't really get time to um, to develop. So um, yeah, please join. It, it is a good laugh and um, it, it provides so much content for this podcast. So um, I look forward to this podcast being released and me getting rinsed in there for the next couple of days. Um, but no, it is a really cool place to hang out. So please reach out if you do want to join. If you also want to be involved with the show, please email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. And until two weeks' time, unless my Jackson signs, let's go, Ravens. Thank you for listening. 
you for listening to the UK Ravens podcast. This podcast is created, hosted and produced by members of the UK Ravens. Join the community on social media at UK Ravens and facebook.com forward slash UK Ravens. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the UK Ravens podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts. To be involved with the show, email us at ukravenshow at gmail.com. For more info, links and to stay up to date, visit www.ukravens.com. Don't get me wrong, Joe Mixon. I feel you. There's always kids playing football outside my house. If I could shoot at them, I probably would as well.